Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Duncan. And I'm Jenny. This is Game of Microphones, episode 37. Welcome, Jenny. You haven't been on this season. Glad to have you on. You didn't know that? No, I don't. You haven't. A little little moment. I don't Uh, have much of a a memory anymore. You You know, pot has been legalized in California. (laughs) You haven't That's why they call you the goldfish. No. One thing, reason why I wanted you to come on this time is because uh, Melissa couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. I and know I'm number two. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But mostly because I, it's good to have you on. We've had so many different hosts on that people like to hear from everybody. And also, we were talking about Game of Thrones recently in that last week's episode, which was so amazing. And you saw that it was directed by Matt Shackman and... You used to know Mash Hackman. Yeah, it was, it was no crazy. Way. I was uh, I was just watching it, um, and I was like, and it said directed by Matt Shackman. I'm like, Matt Shackman! <laughs> <laughs> I went to college with him. Hey, I know this. Oh, I recognize the name, you know. And and we worked together on some plays because he was, of course, a major theater geek. And um, you know, and so where where I went to school, uh, there's a huge huge theatrical community. You know, everybody works on plays, and everyone loves to do it. And he, um, he, you know, there's some people that like know what they want to do from a very young age and they just yeah. hit the ground running and they're, they're like 10 years ahead of everyone and everyone's just like this college freshman with no idea what the hell they want to do. But then there's some people who feel like they should be like already earning money yeah. in whatever and they're doing. Was he like really good at it? So you could yes. kind of see, oh, oh this yeah. guy probably has a future. Yes. I yeah. mean, he, he was, he was good he was committed he was he was just he was just 10 years older than us emotionally and 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 professionally you're kind of like why are you in college oh, yeah. well you're 18 so <laughs> gonna take you seriously he totally killed that episode it was amazing did a really yeah. good job both of these but that last one was especially yeah, true. impressive because of the battle at the end yeah so so he Big was time. i think he was a child if you can call that a battle he was a, ch- a child <laughs> actor so he's been in entertainment a long time and you know he did a lot of productions at in school and i think i did probably one or two with him of course me just being a little techie what do you mean <laughs> by tech like you would do i would do uh, sound lighting and yeah, stuff yeah. yeah stuff like that she'd and, be holding like that big metal thing and making thunder sounds like <laughs> yeah yeah and he, he'd be the director right <laughs> Shake it harder, anyways, um you know it's it's awesome to see that he is making it in in yeah. Hollywood. I mean, yeah. like, he's a working director. I checked his IMDb. He's done a whole bunch of like, episodes wow. of Always Sunny, too, right? Yeah. yeah, and a bunch of other shows, too. He did one, awesome. a couple of Fargo. And and oh, I, wow. I am in no way surprised that he could pull this off. I mean, yeah. And people might be like, oh, he just does comedy. No, he. Yeah, he's done quite a, uh, a while. And range. seriously, like, that battle was a technically difficult uh, shoot to direct. I mean, yeah. Jesus, there's a lot at play there. It's so in, on this show, you know, there was the the first battle in the War of Five Kings where Tyrion got knocked out and that was their right. excuse not <laughs> to have to show any of it, it seemed like. When they had the uh, the mountain tribes on the vanguard. Yeah. 
and it was like, oh, I guess they don't have enough money or, but since then they've totally made up for it by having the most amazing battles ever on TV, <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> which is really cool. And of course I had to miss it uh, because I that's was like out last week and I was like, well, that's okay. Cause this week I'm going to get to see a huge battle oh. at East watch. <laughs> Next week I'm oh. out too. So <laughs> yeah, they should have called it prelude to East. Watch. Oh, oh, well it was still a really good episode and let's get into it. So it's really a top was. three highlights of Game of Thrones season seven episode five East Watch and it did feel kind of like The Walking Dead does sometimes because it gets you anticipating something cool and then it doesn't happen for a long time and I'm like zombie hunting hell yeah and then it they go off into the white mist and then you see the credits and I, was like, I was like five minutes left huh I guess there's yeah, time for a fight yeah, yeah. it's gonna be really good though because they're gonna condense something amazing into oh it's over <laughs> yeah. but uh <clears throat> Let's get into our top three. Jenny, would you like to go first? So for three, I think this is probably something that people have already brought up previously. It's just how fast this action is, is how, how fast the plot is moving, right? Um, you know, like you look at the other seasons, and there are years of Daenerys gathering and trying to hold on to power. And suddenly, you know, there's like no problems feeding the Dothraki or keeping them from ravaging. There's mm-hmm. no like widespread famine, you know, there's no political instability in Dorne, right? There's no rebellion against Cersei, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, everything's dealt with, you know, let's just move the story along and there's just nothing to hold it up. One clear sign of that this time was when uh, Davos goes to get Gendry and he's like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'll just, I don't even need to pack anything, forget, fuck this job. Uh, let's go, which I liked, but it was definitely a sign of the pacing of the show and where it's right. At right. He says, now. "says I've been getting ready. Never knew what for, but I knew and I'd know when it came." <laughs> yeah. Or uh, traveling suddenly seems to take a really short time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, like there was a whole scene in which Bronn and the Sand Snake is flirting, and now six guys who have every reason to hate each other meet up, and they're like, "Let's go." You know, <laughs> yeah. Just really quick, a reminder of why they all hate each other, and then and then John's like, "Yeah, but we're all breathing, so we're all on the same side." All right, right. yeah, yeah. But on the other That's hand, great. there are some storylines that they are still slowing down on. Like I think Arya and Sansa and Littlefinger, whatever is going on there. Um, I, I, I like that because I'm not quite sure what's going to go on. And that's what I like, you know, because that's kind of like the Game of yeah. Thrones of past in which you're like, oh, what's going to go on? I have no idea. You know, everything else seems a little, I'm going to say obvious. You know, there are some details I might not be able to predict, but it's all converging towards a final mm-hmm. confrontation, confrontation with the White Walkers right. and deciding who will sit on the Iron Throne. But possibly. like Arya, Sansa, like I'm not quite sure what how they feel about each other. Um, so I just like the uncertainty of what's going on there. It's um, so funny too with Arya. She's like sneaking around, following everybody around when doing all the stuff. She could just be sitting there with Bran like, what's happening now, Bran? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. What's he doing now? <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you read Littlefinger's mind, please, and tell me what he's That'd up to. That'd be so boring for all of us, though. <laughs> Um, and, you know, she's feeling too sure of herself. Like, she, you, she's being set up to fail. And, and you, you're not seeing that with the other characters, right? Everybody is just kind of kind of fulfilling their destiny. <laughs> but here, you yeah. know, there's still some uncertainty. Like, there's still some heartbreak left in the series. And I, I mean, kind of, I sadly, you know, sadomasochistically like that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's part of the show. It's like scratching an inch. 
Yeah, if it was all just sunshine and nice and, and everybody was a hero and they never had any trouble, then I wouldn't be watching the show. I don't want to see that. But uh, I still think also, too, there's heartbreak left to come in these storylines where they are coming to a fairly clear end point. Mm-hmm. But who's going to be sacrificed along the way? And I really don't know what's going to happen ultimately with Westeros. It, it could be Danny on the throne. It could be John, or it could be something that we can't even imagine right now. It could you know? be Cersei's and Jamie's yeah. lovely child. <laughs> yeah. I'm just hoping, hoping that they decide to abolish the monarchy and found a constitutional republic that you think, protects the rights of the small folk. Do you think that's a, a possibility? I think it really is. I mean, that be. seems to be what Danny's angling towards to some degree, saying mm-hmm. that she wants to break the wheel that's been running over the rich and small folk alike. I don't know um, if she has the imagination for that. I mean, not to say that she doesn't have a good imagination, but I'm just saying within the context, her context of thousands of years of there being an absolute ruler, I still think she sees herself as a necessary authoritarian ruler that will be just and fair to her people you know right but and there's yeah there's evidence for that in this episode too when she's talking right. to john but i think that what you just said could be a possibility through some uh set of occurrences that we we don't know about you know that maybe she might fight against her i don't know change her mind <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah I, I I just don't see that. I mean, true, true. She has no one to pass it down to, but she's like Queen Elizabeth One, man. She's not going to give it up yeah. while she's alive. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But we'll see. Yeah, but I do feel like that. Possibly, the way the series could end is that it is an end of an era that we've had thousands of years of monarchy, and this will be a paradigm shift for Westeros. That'd be really cool. See that. All right, what's your number three, Duncan? My number three is John and Drogon, which <laughs> I just thought that was so cool, man. And we've all been waiting for so long for John to have an interaction with a dragon, and the way it happened with her with her riding up on it and the triumphant version of the dragon theme playing and it landing and screeching in his face and getting all close to him. And there's a, a shot from in between the dragon's legs. Where you can, you can, you know, you're like, you're, it's like looking up his underbelly kind of, and his head is hanging down towards John and John takes off his glove and starts to reach up. And it's not even that easy for Daenerys to pet her own dragon, but she, you know, like when she was in Marine and Drogon came flying in and surprised her after he'd been gone for a while. Um, and she goes out on the balcony and he's sitting on top of the pyramid looking down at her and she reaches up to try to pet his nose and he flies off without without letting her touch him. So it's pretty crazy that this new guy that Drogon has no experience with essentially is standing there and that he's allowing him to to initiate physical contact with him. I also thought it was pretty crazy that Daenerys had the balls to basically ride her dragon face up to, face to face with Jon having no fear that the dragon would like try to bite him or something like yeah. that. It's pretty risky with him being the king in the north. She I mean, could have easily been a kingslayer there. It seems like she has total control over the dragons now because another, it really does. Another symptom of that, not to get totally into it yet, but is she had it, him burn uh, Dickon and 
Randall Tarley alive and there were people pretty close by. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, she has fine control over this thing. And, and Drogon roared at the perfect time when, when they needed people to kneel mm-hmm. and everything. It's like they have some sort of mental bridge going on at this point, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And but, uh, yeah, was, as okay. far as like, yeah, the, dra- the way that he responded, John responded to Drogo, I think she looked nervous for him. Uh, she was yeah, like, well, for a and, second there. And I thought when, Kit, when she lost sight of him, that's when she looked mm-hmm. real nervous. Oh, is he still there? And, <laughs> and, but the way he handled it, you know, uh, he, uh, Jon Snow Black is not verb, a very talkative guy. His attributes are his integrity and his bravery and his honor. And he's a mm-hmm. solid guy. And so the way he handled it just by keeping his feet planted and looking at the dragon head on, but not posturing. He was about ready giving to no sh- retreat, shit his pants giving too, no though. aggressive movement. Yeah. You, you know, he was scared, yeah. but he, that's why he's brave because he was scared, but yet he still stayed. And I think right. that impressed Good the dragon. I also think it really impressed Danny. I think Absolutely. whatever affection she was feeling for him in that moment got magnified by like three or four times. At least she's one of those girls that's like, I can't date you unless my dogs like you. Well, yeah, I mean that's what that's how I saw the scene. It was like, oh, totally. let's see how this guy stacks up with my pet or relative. Oh wait, my pet that is a relative. <laughs> yeah. Double yeah. test. Yeah, and he totally got the pet endorsement there, and mm-hmm. I think she melted slightly at that moment. <laughs> and of course, that probably means. I mean, we know that the dragons respond well to Targaryens, right? Exactly. That's a huge well, yeah, part that's of a, it. It's a, yeah, it's it's alleged. Alleged, yeah, which well, makes you wonder about Tyrion, since Tyrion seemed to do pretty well with the dragons in in Marine. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking what? that you know they were fireproof, and so they were less afraid of dragons, and therefore you could actually kind of deal with the yeah. dragon one on one. I get the sense that that Drogon knows that Jon is a Targaryen, maybe. I, that's what I think. He's yeah. just like, I can tell you are fireproof. I can just sniff it. Yeah. yeah he's like, <laughs> oh, I recognize that smell. <laughs> that's good Targaryen blood. Fee, fi, fo, fa. I so smell the blood of a Targaryen. Blood, won't melt. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden Drogo goes, he like bucks Danny off and then lowers his head down for John and says, you are the rightful king of Westeros. because i might we might as well talk about it i mean what gilly said right right Mm -hmm. she said that uh some ragger had an annulment (laughs) and got remarried which means probably that john was born within the confines of wedlock and is absolutely the legitimate heir to the throne that i think puts him in front of daenerys right Absolutely, as the eldest son, eldest living son of the eldest son of the king. Yeah, he would come in line before Daenerys under any circumstance. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. So when I first heard that in the in the show, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And then later, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, you know what? I think I agree with Sam. Like, who gives a s? I mean, like, there are White Walkers coming upon you. Like, who cares who is the legal king if you're all going to be dead. It's almost like saying, I'm going to kill you, Jon Snow. And he says, that's <laughs> Mr. John Targaryen to use. <laughs> I think uh, I think that Sam would have cared that if he had known that it 
was related to John in some way, but yeah, Sam doesn't know that know. John is related to Rhaegar at all. Right. Which was that was and, funny uh, because that really meant that that scene the way the way they got that knowledge out was super cute, and it was basically in the context of Sam being annoyed and oh annulment is when you are get rid of your spouse because he was just annoyed with her but it was information <laughs> yeah, she, for us yeah yeah so that was yeah, cool. so funny he she he hears her like you know she's going on about the 15,728 yeah. steps and all these bowel movements and then she mispronounces rag ragar and, and he, he's just like had enough at that point yeah. and i feel like he he like half heard the statement I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. Like maybe they go to Winterfell and she meets Sansa and she's like, "Oh, Sansa Stark, uh, was your aunt Lyanna the one that married Rhaegar?" Rhaegar was just like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because I think I don't know. Maybe he did hear it, but I, but it did make me wonder. Oh, maybe Gilly will recall that information at some point from the mouths of babes. <laughs> but but Duncan, I mean, why would you care? Right, you're all for uh, getting rid of the mon. Uh, the monarchy monarchy, monarchy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well like, sometimes you need to be in power to be able to have have influence to that to that degree you know what I, I mean? mean you could argue that daenerys has a strong claim on the throne and cersei's not giving it up so she's not going to care if like john is you know got an even stronger claim no but you know like it would it would be incentive for them to join the north and the south though that would that would provide a means to um to uh, uniting the, the the kingdoms again, but they're kind of working together already right now. Game of Thrones has always True. been about whether they're going to do about the White Walkers and who is going to be the final king or queen of the throne. Those are the two pillars of this show. So this is very important to one of those pillars, which could also have an effect on the other pillar. That's why I care because it's a huge part of the Game of Thrones story. It, it is, it <laughs> is. But that's, that's one thing about all the characters in Game of Thrones. They have not really let the legality stop them from going after the throne. Right, I like mean, Renly. Tradition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Targaryens were um, ruling for... Hundreds. They, ran, they ruled for 300, 300 years. years. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty long time. And yeah. so that was for that length of time. And then the last however many years, Robert Baratheon was right. was ruling. But I mean... The, 17 by the time of the start of the, sto- yeah. start of the show. The true claim to the throne is the fact that they controlled dragons. So, <laughs> man, he right. was uh, <laughs> yeah. seventeen years, and he was that big pot-bellied dude by the end when he used to be a big a warrior. He really let himself yeah. go, and oh, yeah. that's like that. That's that makes me think of the scene in tonight's episode when Gendry and John meet each other, and Gendry they're you know they're talking. John's like, "Oh, you're." You're thinner than than your dad, and Gendry says you're shorter. Yeah, it was like John that. looked really upset by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hilarious. But that was just like the uh, the first scene, one of the first scenes of the show, and in, in the pilot episode when Robert arrives with his procession at at Winterfell, hops off his horse, walks over, and they're kind of sternly Sizing staring at yeah at he and Ned, and he goes you you got old to Ned, and Ned like kind of looks him down. You got fat. <laughs> yeah. He kind of walked into that one. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> they just start laughing. and. <laughs> okay. My number three is the approaching dead because there was quite a bit about first discovering what was happening and then uh, talking, you know, different responses to it. And I loved Bran kind of working into this flock of crows. Oh, that's great. Ravens that one by so one. That's so cool. Yeah. And then how they were flying over the wall and into the territory of the white walkers 
they're all flying along and like kind of looking all different directions as they're flying. It made me think of like a security guard with like behind a network of com- computer monitors and you're just looking back and forth between screens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all the eyes of the different ravens are turning white one at a time. <laughs> and then uh, they come upon this huge, massive army of the dead with the night king and the other white walkers in the middle. And then he just like waves off the raven. Don't spy on us. But, um, like, Oh, "Oh, here, now we know what the dead do. They, uh, they just walk around. Like, I mean, they couldn't have taken all that time to march. So they're doing like marching drills or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because this, this strange world in which it, you know, people can get from Dorn to like Winterfell really quickly or something like that. But then like, the White Walkers are still walking towards Eastwatch. <laughs> right. What was that episode? It was like season two or something yeah. when, when Sam is walking along with Dolores, Ed, and Gren, and they the mist starts to approach, and they hear the three blasts for White Walkers or something, and Gren and and, <laughs> and Ed just book it, and Sam is left slugging, slogging along in the snow and gets completely bombarded by the, all these Whites and White Walkers, and they're still marching. I mean, they're, they're marching in season two. Yeah. It's been five years. It's a little ridiculous, but it's okay. I don't care. Oh, but yeah. It's, I don't care. It's fun either. to talk about. <laughs> it's awesome. Did, did they have, like, zombie horses, I think, in that scene? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There is so one cool. white walker on the back of a zombie horse, and he pulls... He, Sam is hiding behind a rock, and the, the, the horse kind of pulls up next to it and stops, and the white walker looks over and makes eye contact with Sam. And opens his mouth and kind of shrieks and lifts up his spear. And then everybody continues marching forward and they just leave Sam alone. Why did they leave Sam alone? He saw him. They made eye contact. Like, what's up with that? Well, because they thought if we kill him and then we lift him up with his fat, dumpy white walker that we have to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want want him. Just leave him alone. He's no problem. I've heard people speculating that the white walkers may not have a problem with good people. Oh. they're just targeting specific people or something like that uh, you know what yeah, a twist like that would be pretty cool like they have some sort of morality some code so then uh the scroll brand brand uh, sent to everyone said he saw the night king and his army marching towards east watch and um east watch is at the end of the wall where the ocean meets the land and you can see that the wall extends out a ways into the ocean and it just kind of made me wonder, okay, what was the plan if the wild, because are the, are the white walkers going to go try to go around the wall? And what was the plan if the wildlings had tried to go around the wall in their ships or boats? Uh, mm-hmm. there, there was a big ship at the end. So maybe the night's watch has some seamen, seamen who are uh, <laughs> out there, you know, ready to fight on the water. I don't know, but it seems like if they're heading towards East watch, the white walkers, maybe they're going to go around, try to go around the wall. Right. Maybe. I mean, freeze the water when, they, when, yeah, when they walk up, everything freezes. So it seems like they could just walk right around. But I think when the wall was built, it wasn't built to, to defend against the wildlings. That was a subsequent um, thing. Like they were just on the wrong side of the wall when it happened to be built. I feel um, I think I think that you know it was it was designed for the White Walkers, yeah. The whites. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying, you know, a- after a thousand years or whatever, everyone right. <laughs> forgot and thought it was for the wildlings. So yeah, they must have you know had a plan for that. You know, it's really hard to freeze salt water. So. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. true. Good, good call. Yeah, it does get really, really cold though. But have, wait, what it? Yeah. It's, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good real, point. Real hard to freeze salt water. I have to water. say, good it, call. Good it job, looks Jenny. just like the uh, the border wall down in. Uh, 
down down in the California Mexico border, like where our friend San Danny Diego is. You can see the, the the border wall go into the water. Right. And it goes into the water for a little while, and then it kind of sinks out of view. So I just thought that Whoa. was kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so and then I wanted to talk a little bit about the response. It, it was funny that the maester that one of the archmaesters said the threat of the dead was nothing but stories from wet nurses wanting to frighten their children why would a wet nurse want to fright aren't they they're just little babies like <laughs> if you're a yeah, wet, wet nurse nurses. are you not like maybe if you're robin like breastfeeding age. robin aaron well, you're you, like you know, 12 years old you, you know <laughs> wet nurse, they, they breastfeed the baby then the baby's kind of attached and so you kind of like you know, the, the, wet nurse become, the wet nurse becomes kind of like basically the nanny. You yeah. Know, you know, but they're babies. You got to scare them into submission. Rawr. So, but I like, I really love the, I, this idea of bringing one white through going zombie hunting. It's, it almost Such feels a like a never, another show, idea. but I love it. And it's really fun. And I mean, if they had like a, an iPhone with a video camera on it, that would pretty much solve it. But they don't have that. So Ter- uh, Tyrion's <laughs> plan is to show Cersei a white so they can all fight together. Now, actually, I don't think that is a great plan because as we know in today's culture, there can be some danger. But if in order to face that danger, you have to become vulnerable yourself, then you people will rationalize and say that the danger is isn't real. And I'm not just talking about climate change, which, you know, people fall on different sides of that, but it can be anything. You know, if you if you like someone said if if you're being paid to um to not uh, acknowledge something then you won't acknowledge it so it's it's in it's not in cersei's motivation to just straightforwardly uh, donate all her forces to go fight she'll and she pretty much said to jamie i'm gonna go ahead and agree to this but it's so that i can figure out a way to, to defeat her because if we just fight her head on we're not we're gonna lose well i mean she's she's not i mean She's not dumb, but I just got the sense she's just like, okay, if these white walkers truly exist, yeah, let her, you know, lose some of her power fighting against them, and then when she's weakened, I can go after her. I mean, I, you know, that's that's what I would do if I was right. Her. But what's <laughs> going on is they're having talks with her, so she will to join them. Yeah. I thought they were saying join, yeah. Yeah, join up because yeah, they wouldn't she, trust her to say, "Okay, go ahead. We promise we won't attack Dragonstone while you're gone." No, they would say, "All right, we want some of your forces to join with we're, us." Yeah, we're we're initiating a temporary armistice. We'll yeah. join forces to deal with the external threat, and then we'll continue to fight you, amongst each other. And that's why it's dumb because you can't trust Cersei. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah, definitely not. But it She's does go stop the act of fighting for a while. But we'll see. We'll see what what happens. We'll see. How about that scene um, with the you know she's talking to Jamie and and they're talking about the armistice and t- meeting Tyrion and everything and she pulls him in after telling him that she's pregnant and she says never betray me again. Do you get any Godfather vibes off that? You're my older brother, Fredo. I love you, but never take sides against the family again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's not going to end well but between I mean, the two of them. It's totally understandable, you know. He betrayed her, so don't betray me again. <laughs> sort of. I mean, it was how sort did, of a how small How did he betray betrayal. her, though? Um, he let Tyrion go. Oh, by letting him go. Right, right. Right. She wanted him yeah, dead. Yeah. He let him go, and not only did he escape, but what did he do on his way out? You know, he killed their dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He let him go then, <laughs> and he let him go this time that he met, met him. Yeah, and I got the sense even just meeting with him was considered a betrayal, you know. Well, but he didn't know about it. He didn't know about it. Oh, yeah, that's true. She yeah. was kind of more pissed at. Right. Uh, 
Braun better watch his back. I know. But I'm sure he knows that. <laughs> so. so number three. I mean two. Number two. Um, the return of Gendry, who looks a lot like Christian Bale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's changed in these years. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, part of me was like, oh, duh, I should have seen that. Look, we need dragon glass. We need to forge weapons. Hmm. What but he's happened? not going to do it, though. Oh, yeah, I was pretty surprised. Not immediately. He, he ended up like, become, you know, continuing to be a, a <laughs> But still, I was just like, duh, of course, that totally <laughs> matches up. But yeah. How about that fan service from Davos, that meta commentary? I thought you might still be rowing. <laughs> yeah. I know, that was That hilarious. was good. I mean, this show has to be careful with that because it's not a comedy, but this is something that... Um, he would actually say so it was right. perfect yeah, it felt real to me <laughs> yeah. it's just such a great a great meta commentary because for years everybody's yeah. been joking about how Gendry is still, still out there rowing, rowing somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the biggest loose ends right you know and so they finally tied it up and I, I, yes. I appreciate that absolutely but it made me wonder he's the last known heir to Bar- the Baratheon line and so are they going to make anything of that you know, maybe John will legitimize him. Yeah, I mean, I I wonder if that will play in somehow. I just wanted to refresh people on on his story because I had to go back. Yeah, and, good idea. Yeah, so he's the last known bastard son of Robert Baratheon, although it wasn't widely known that he was. Uh, Joffrey had all the other bastards killed. To Even look. he didn't know. Yeah, yeah like nobody knew. He didn't basically. have the name. Um, it would have been Waters because the bastard names are different in all the regions there's sand snow flowers hill pike stone or storm um and so joffrey had all the other ones killed but he he got away and he was going to go be a, a a night part of the night's watch at the wall but he's traveling with aria yeah on, his route, on the route up and he was targeted there they were looking for at least they were looking for another of the bastards but it uh, they ended up being thrown off and thinking it was Lomi Greenhands right instead yeah and then um he ended up with the brotherhood without banners for a while he was smithing for them but then they sold him to Melisandre for two bags of gold and she wanted to kill him for his king's blood because she knew who he was. And they she, used him first to suck the leeches. Right. Uh, leeches well, and they, yeah. she wanted to kill him, but then Davos convinced her to just do the leech test. And then right. they used those leeches with filled with his blood. They threw it into the fire and they prayed for the death of three usurper kings, Joffrey, Balon, Greyjoy, and Rob Stark, who are all dead now. So that might have worked. Um then see Davos doesn't just waste stuff like the upper class people, yeah right? you know he's like come on let's be you know well he was being be kind efficient. but then they put him in prison and once Rob Stark did die then Stannis was like well we should kill him because it will get greater power but then Davos stuck him in the rowboat and got him away from there and told what's him the to- life of one bastard boy in terms of the the fate of the kingdom <laughs> and, and Davos says everything <laughs> That's great. And then told him to go to King's Landing. So he actually was headed there last time we saw him rowing off. <laughs> so Davos uh, knew he'd be in flea bottom too. Great. And uh Well, I think he said he checked all the like whorehouses first and the um markets and stuff. Then he then he headed to the Street of Steel. He should have yeah. known. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh 
I guess he, uh, um, Davos told him to call himself Clovis, which I was like, oh, this is such a nerdy shout out because, um, as some people may know, Clovis is what they call a certain class of flaked projectile points, like arrow, spear, darts from about thirteen thousand years ago in North America. Um, and uh. it's, it's one of the earliest and finest examples of man's handiwork, and they're special and rare. And sometimes people even try fake faking uh making them so i just thought you know that's such a nerdy thing that they would uh call this smith guy who may possibly be working with obsidian in the future right yeah that's great (laughs) that's awesome jenny and the last thing i i about him is you know that i love that whole tense exchange with the lannister guards you think they're gonna cause trouble and then davos uh cleverly had those what was it crab uh, fermented, fermented crab. crab and made oh, up the God. story about it being giving you know, like a hard on Cialis. Yeah. <laughs> you put a uh, hole in your chain mail. <laughs> and then, uh, then they see Tyrion and oh shit, of course it couldn't have gone well. And then you see uh gender, just fucking Thor on them and slam him in the head with his smithing hammer. Um, yeah. And I think the whole point of that scene, they did, they do such a good job of, uh, they impart something in a scene and you don't even realize it. But I think the whole point was just to show that he's a badass with that thing and that he can be used in battle. You know? And it makes perfect sense too, because his dad, the King, King Robert was famous for using a war hammer. It's so cool. Cause he's been it's drawn to the hammer. Yeah. His, yeah. It's been drawn to the hammer his whole life without even knowing who his father was. He, he wanted to be a Smith. He's been working with hammers, like being a really making high quality products. So, you know, he's a precision <laughs> He's like a precision smith. Like he, he can swing that hammer well and precisely. Yeah. And didn't even know his origins and that the significance of the hammer for his bloodline. Interesting. And then I don't know if you guys noticed, but on his hammer, on his war hammer, there are stag antlers. So it, uh, it, he he made it specifically um, as an homage to his his father's house, right. and it's not like unheard of for bastards to fight for their father's house. But I feel like it could be foreshadowing that, you know, he's like, he's the last known Baratheon spawn, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could be right. the future of the Baratheon house. I feel like John will probably legitimize him at some point. If he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> okay. Number two, Duncan. All right. My number two is the Eastwatch 7. Yeah. <laughs> Our crew of homies up at <laughs> up at the wall. Who do we have? We have Gendry, Beric, Thoros, John, Jorah, Tormund, and the Hound. Badass crew. Dude, it's the dream team. Minus <laughs> Michael Jordan plus Gendry. <laughs> right? These are all like legendary fighters or survivors. I mean, who do we have? We have Jon Snow, who's like the, the master swordsman with long claw. Nobody's ever stood a chance against him in the training yard. Any adult he's fight he, he's fought, even if he doesn't have the sword, like after he loses it fighting the Then, he manages to put a hammer through the guy's head. And he he's got that mo- sword fighting for um, uh, Jorah's father, by the way. I thought that was... Right. Yeah. Yeah, he saved him from a white, and uh, he, he passed the sword to him instead of giving it to Jorah. We got Tormund, who's a gnarly, like, legendary warrior. He's just, like, the, like, ferocity embodied, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Total beast. We've got the Hound, who's legendary for his, his prowess in, in, in battle. Kingsguard, you know, like, this is serious, dude. We've got Jorah, 
who defeated Drogo's Blood Rider in single combat, fought his way through the fighting pits of Marine just to get access to his queen again. Then there's the survivors who are Beric, you know, not necessarily particularly talented in combat or anything special about but him, durable. except that he survives. <laughs> yeah, super durable. Thoros, um, you know, nothing particularly special about him either, but he's a survivor. They've proved themselves living through the hell of the Riverlands during the War of the Five Kings, dealing with the mountain and his maniacs, and these guys have survived through a lot of crazy stuff. And I love, too, that a lot of them have reasons not to like each other. Yeah, that was so cool. Like, yeah, Tormund's like, you're a Mormont. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your father hunted us. <laughs> and Gendry hates uh, Thoros and Beric. For selling sold him. him. And it's just like a microcosm of the bigger picture is that mm-hmm. we're all alive. We need to to band together to, to defeat the, we're all the breathing. dead because they don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, we're all breathing. Um, I thought there was some pretty cool stuff. I, the fact that there's seven of them. and that, Seven's that a big number, yeah, the kingdoms, yeah, the gods. Yeah, big number, the kingdoms, the gods, the faith of the seven. It's everywhere, the sept, the septas, scepters, septons. Um, so... I, I kind of looked at it a little bit and realized that each one of these characters may symbolize in one way or another one of the seven gods of the faith. So we have we have Gendry, who's obviously representing the smith, right? We have Beric, who would represent the stranger as he's associated with death and repeatedly dying and coming back. Thoros could represent the mother as he re- repeatedly gives life to Beric. John could be considered the father because he's going to be, you know, the father of the new seven kingdoms. And he's essentially the patriarch of the realms of men, which now include the wildlings, thanks to him. And everybody, you know, kind of is um, looking to him to be their leader. Jorah could be the crone because he's the old guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tormund and the Hound. This This is where it gets kind of funny. Either one of these guys could be either the maiden or the warrior. They're they're both really, you know, renowned warriors. They both fight. And then either of them could classify as the maiden because, or representing the maiden because you got Tormund who's obsessed with the maiden Brienne. (laughs) So the maiden plays a role with Tormund. And then Sandor, he's hideously disfigured. We've never seen any evidence that he participates in rapes or in, in brothel, like going to brothels. He may be a maiden himself. (laughs) <laughs> so, wait, wait, the whole the whole wait are you saying that the maiden the whole only definition of this person is that they haven't had sex i mean that's no no it. not necessarily <laughs> i mean these are wow what this, a deep character to to be <laughs> yeah i mean you know there's there's deeper explanations for all the uh the seven gods but you know i'm just going at the face of of what they are well i mean that that's uh what should i say a more spiritual interpretation i mean versus saying like one's dopey one's grumpy i mean it does say the maiden represents innocence and chastity so that's one of the attributes of of the maiden yeah that's cool man i like it i mean i do i definitely think it's the seven is significant in this world and so that's pretty fun yeah so i'm i'm just like it's it's crazy to me that we have all these these phenomenal fighters and these capable warriors all in one place and on one mission like at the same time i i it's gonna be crazy to see what happens next week with this is there a deadpool 
<laughs> what? Is oh, there a Deadpool? Yeah. Who I mean, what are the chances they all come back alive? Oh very low. Zero. Very low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we're gonna lose Barrick and Thoros. I think Barrick is gonna sacrifice himself to save the hound. That's my prediction. Wait, I Beric mean, gets reborn though, right? Yeah. Oh, only if Thoros is around. Beric has some kind of it was hinted a couple episodes ago grand purpose, so maybe we'll see what that is next week. I think saying? his purpose, yeah, I think his purpose is a placeholder for the Hound. What? I think uh, he's been being revived so that he could save the Hound eventually. Okay. Whatever happens, it's going to be freaking awesome. My bet. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, that's cool. All right, my turn. So I wanted to talk about Danny and her attitude and whether she's doing things in, in a good way. And it's an interesting thing to think about and and to probably debate. Um, Definitely. You know? I've had a few conversations about this. Yeah, and I'm thinking, okay, what one of the first scenes we saw in Game of Thrones was when Ned Stark chopped the head off of that Night's Watch guy who deserted his post mm -hmm. and we know for he did that for uh the guy deserted his post for very good reasons but ned's like rules are rules sorry conk and so we know that <laughs> you know conk, he's conk. one of the guys we hold up as being the one of the most good people on the show and and she had a great point that um john snow killed thousands of people to take uh to take Winterfell, Winterfell back and you know that's what she's kind of doing she's like I want to take what I feel is rightfully mine just like you were taking what's rightfully yours right. and and it's good you know she may I love that she made it an example of um the Tarleys by using her dragon because that's what that's her symbol that's what strikes fear into the hearts of men you know and and she wants the stories to go around like this is what's going to happen. But then on the other hand, I love that Var Varys and Tyrion were saying, you know, Varys was like, I used to do the same thing with Ares. I would say I found the traitors, but I wasn't the one burning burning them alive. So I didn't do it. And and he's really upset by this because he doesn't drink, but he's chugging Tyrion's wine. <laughs> <laughs> but the see now here's the difference with Ares is he tricked people and lied and, and imagined enemies where there were none, right? Stuff like that. Absolutely. So it's not the same. Um, and also the people that Daenerys burned were enemy combatants who were actively warring against her. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas, um, like, for instance, when she was talking with Jon Snow two episodes ago, or no, last episode, you know, Jon had said, you don't want to... If you use your your dragons to to melt castles and attack cities, then you're nothing different. You're no better than any of the old mad, the mad right. king or any of the evil rulers of the past. So uh, the impression that I got from that is that he's warning her against using her dragons in a terroristic attack, something right. in, in in a civilian area that induces fear and creates panic. She ended up using her dragons for military purposes with no civilians around strictly um, strategically for, you know, in a non-terroristic fashion. So I think that she lived up to what John had said and uh, is using them the best way she possibly could. But the so far. Her, yeah, I mean, her inclination has been to go in and do that, though, and she has to be talked out of it. And they're right. really putting a lot of focus on that, that, oh, it looks like maybe she might have some of that madness in her blood. And, and, and you know, will that 
um, will the scales tip the other way at some point? You know, it feels like that's where they're where they're going with it. Tyrion certainly seems worried. You get a lot of focus on him. Oh, just going, yeah, at the oh, beginning of the episode, you? especially. And then another question I have: Let's say you know she she is there now, telling all these men we can make a better world together. I want to you know make things better for the poor people and not do what Cersei's done and just have everyone in her service. I mean, she she put it much more poetically. Something about the wheel oh, yeah. that's crushing everyone but what it i mean she came she built up her army and for years has been readying herself to try and take over westeros without i don't know how much she knew about what kind of kings and queens there were there what if she came in and it turned out that cersei was actually a great ruler i mean her whole motivation has been to do things like free slaves and stuff but also that she just feels like this is her rightful throne and she wants to you know, take vengeance after what Robert Baratheon did. So what if she came in and everything was fine? Would she be like, okay, I guess everything's fine. I don't need to take over. (laughs) I, yeah, I doubt, I doubt it. Her family built the red keep just like, you know, the Starks built Winterfell and they both are going to fight to get them back. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to say, I guess without really, I mean, maybe if we knew for sure, oh yeah, everything would be better with her as queen which i do think it probably would don't you what do you think jenny i, mean, I think so I, uh i think stability is good a benevolent stability is probably a better thing than a, a cruel instability mm-hmm. <laughs> right which is what it kind of is especially right in the context right. this like medieval where there all there is are authoritarian right and, and history has shown like when things are stable no matter how how fascist it is it's actually good in the long run and you look at china when it was finally united you look at um queen elizabeth one when you know they actually had the same uh monarch for for decades instead of yeah. you know constantly fighting it out i mean it, you know history has shown that it's, that's it's, better that that's better it doesn't last long right you know 60 years later the person dies and then all the kids start fighting each other and it all starts <laughs> all over again but you know it's good during those 60 years right yeah um so, but I do, I do think that Pax it's Romana. It's yeah, I, I do think it's a little to to hear Tyrion and Varys kind of be like, oh, look at her, look at her, you know, she's she's drifting over to the dark side, and you're like, oh, come on, you two. I mean, like Tyrion, you killed your dad, not because you had to. You were you you had a boat out of town, but you had to stop by, you yeah. know, see him and shoot him on the on the loot, like. I'm not saying he was a great guy, but like right. you were overcome not even with saying emotion. That was the wrong thing to do, but he's being a hypocrite if he's right. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. overcome with emotion and and you know felt like that was the right thing to do at that moment. And and she did you know give them the option of you know bending the knee or not. And they don't have a Geneva Convention, and they don't have time to have a bunch of people sit around and write up the Geneva Convention. She probably doesn't have enough food to feed prisoners of war so in a feudal didn't society, help that she burned it all last week either yeah <laughs> i can kind of you know i guess she could have been more like you know what i really don't have food to feed you all so bend the knee or just gonna have to you know feed my dragons <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this is also Tyrion partially like projecting his own guilt onto her feeling like he betrayed his house and feeling like he's you know participated in bringing like these Dothraki screamers onto onto his like his his home area essentially you know what I mean, but um I don't I don't think that I really don't think that she did anything super out of line. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I really do feel like the way they're going with it is that she is getting more and more fierce and, and ruthless and that it's going to be a problem, but we'll see. Yeah. Just got to make sure she's got good counsel. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> it's the same no marriage thing <laughs> with, um, with Arya and Sansa where Sansa's sitting there saying, Oh, I know you're thinking that if John doesn't come back, you're going to need all these people to be loyal because they'll do what you really want to happen, which I guess is to rule the North. Right. And you keep thinking about that. Uh, even though you don't want to, but the thought just won't go away. That's that's um, just because you have thoughts like that. I mean, it reminded me of this parable, which I will now relate, where <laughs> a grandfather's talking with his grandson, and he says there are two wolves inside of us which are always at war with each other. One of them is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness, bravery, and love. The other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed, hatred, and fear. The grandson stops and thinks about it for a second. Then he looks up at his grandfather and says, grandfather, which one wins? The grandfather quietly re replies, the one you feed. So the point is, uh -huh. you know, we all have these or some of us have these thoughts, but what really matters is where you put your focus and energy and all that. Not just that you have them, which is what dark little Arya was suggesting. <laughs> I, I actually, my estimation of the two of them switched around in this episode at first i thought sansa was kind of the more neurotic one that was going to end up screwing things up but as time goes on she seems very capable and loyal to john and Arya's in there just putting planting little negative seeds and things yep yeah i mean when she was just like oh you know she just didn't want she just wanted to like kill people who weren't you know she's like yeah, just kill them and kill, i'm just like yeah. you know yeah um, Sansa brought up uh, beheadings, right? She said it's it, like cutting cutting people's heads off isn't the the way to get people to work together. And she learned that by that's what Rob did. She Rob had beheaded Lord Rickard Carstark and lost the war because of it, basically. Right. right. She's learned. Yeah. Well, that's because yeah. Arya is so used to working on her own. You know, she's not used to working in a team. <laughs> yeah, and, and she's, she's basically trained to kill. Death house, That's, you know, yeah. You, right, right. Yeah, you got it. You got one tool in your box, the hammer. You're gonna use it, <laughs> which is what basically she has. What's your number one? My number one, uh, dragons, dragons, dragons. Yeah, there's a lot of dragon action now, and it's really cool. Even Dracaris. whether it's a close-up caress or you know, um, them cooking, barbecuing. <laughs> Those uh, close-up shots are really cool. Yeah, when he yeah. when he touched him, that was some damn good CGI. Or even looking down from his back, from Daenerys's point of view, and you can see all the spines and like the little lumps on his mm -hmm. skin and everything. Like it was really impressive. So what you guys were mentioning about, like you know, um, she seems to have the dragons more under control. I do feel like we're getting a little bit more dragon psychology now, and and I'm hoping <laughs> it'll get a bit more more uh, specific because right now yeah it's it's interesting how Dra drogan is like just doing whatever she says when he wasn't so so obedient before um right so and and also i'm just kind of like wait is, is this like an alpha male versus beta male thing because like the other two aren't aren't jealous that she rides him she lets him fly free she never locked yeah. him up mm -hmm. she seems that's what i was like thinking this guy too. more <laughs> 
now that John's got the the approval of the Alpha Dragon, he can take his pick of the other two. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel like before the end of this, we'll have three people riding dragons, and mm-hmm. it'll be Danny and John, and probably somebody else. Okay, I was just thinking because right? she's saying, "Oh, yeah. these are my children." I'm like. Yeah, your children were like, dude, mom likes Drogo a lot. <laughs> He's the alpha. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's going to be Danny, John, and Tyrion, I'm guessing, because of yeah. that saddle that he designed in season one, foreshadowing him needing a saddle to ride something. Nice. No, that shadow was for Bran. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and I was just wondering, like, I know she was trying to... Make make a, a nice scene in which she has the Tarleys um, get cooked, but I mean, that seems like a waste of meat right there. <laughs> like she she could have just had the same effect if she said like, "All right, Drogo, here's lunch." <laughs> <laughs> it's about the fire, the dragon fire. I know, but and you gotta feed those dragons. How is she gonna feed those dragons? I'm sorry, I, I really think blood. a lot about logistics and, and war. You know, because I know that's how you win the war, right? Right, logistics. Actually, yeah, and this is super logistical in in my opinion because when you hear well no I guess you're right I was gonna say when you hear that two men were burnt alive by dragons you're gonna go oh shit I don't want that to be me but if you heard that they were also just eaten that would probably have the same effect (laughs) if if not worse (laughs) that was so cool in marine when the dragons lit those guys on fire and then ripped them in half and were eating (laughs) and that scene with the dragon at the top of the hill just kind of regally resting there and Danny and all these beleaguered dirty beaten defeated men at her feet it was such a a great scene you know I don't think I've ever I can't remember remember seeing a scene exactly like that before and I always love when I see something new so that was super cool yeah that was really awesome and yeah first it shows Drogon sitting there with like stretched out in the with the backlit from the sun and then Danny kind of steps into the foreground of the picture and just looks super intense. Uh, I thought it was really just a beautifully laid well out done. shot as yeah. well. I'm yeah. sure Tyrion was like, "All right, you know when you when you talk to the enemy, make sure we have the angle just right. You know, mm-hmm. let's practice this because <laughs> yeah. we gotta wow them." Fix your posture, Drogon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, Duncan. All right, let's see. My number one is the the Danny and John relationship, and um, the first major sign to me, major sign, I mean, that she is starting to fall for John is when he t- he talks about how he has to go north of the wall, and there's this pang of of emotion and pain that flickers across her face right before she uh, interjects, and it it's just becoming more and more obvious that. <laughs> She loves him. Something is happening there. Yeah. And (laughs) she was curious about when uh, Davos said you were knifed in the heart. Was that real? Because she's (laughs) just like wanting to know more about him because she's impressed with him. And I think he was about to tell her the truth, but he got interrupted by Jorah. Yeah. Is it a figure of speech? She asked. Is it a figure of speech? And he couldn't lie. He, he was silent. He wasn't going to lie about it, you know? So right. he had to say something. He probably would have ended up telling her the exactly. truth. Exactly. But then, boom, Jorah shows up. My bear! You know, and she and got then excited to their Teddy return. When Jorah and Danny were embracing, he didn't look happy. I think he's he's liking her, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah, I saw an interview with uh, with him after their first meeting in the, in the, uh, the premiere or no, no, what was it Dragonstone episode two this season? Uh-huh. And 
Kit Harrington said that there's a moment when John walks into the throne room and he didn't know what to expect. He didn't realize that it would be this young, beautiful woman about his age. Right. So he walks in and is like, oh my God, like for a split second. And then he re- remembers, oh, I got to focus and like pulls it, pulls it together and yeah. collects himself. But if you watch it again, you can see just for a, a moment, a glimmer of like awe in his eyes when he walks in there. So <laughs> it's there, you know, it, and yeah. And what's Davos knows he saw her, him staring at her good heart and everything like you know <laughs> and the worry it's, about it's this there. is um you know it, it it's sort of been a possibility for a long time that these two might meet up and have something and then i'm like oh what if the actors don't have any chemistry and now that they're together i think i mean it's not like sizzling oh my god but it's pretty good i would say what do you think I think they've got great chemistry. Yeah. I, I saw a picture of them kissing on Instagram as well, and they had definitely had chemistry there. So if they if they can have chemistry for that, they can definitely have chemistry on screen as well. You mean uh, Amelia Clark was kissing Kit Harrington? Yes. Just like for fun? Yeah, they, they were on some photo shoot, and the guy was like, why don't you guys kiss? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's awesome. I'll post it on our game of micro microphones Facebook page. Yeah, I want to see that. It's a, it's, I, I find it a very courtly attraction. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's. I think it's I don't simmering. Think it's, as much heat, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they Slow just burn. need to get, get locked up in a cave with a dragon outside for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so when John does go to leave, and we get the, you know, we get some cool moments with Tyrion seeing uh, Jorah again, and and all that. But he says to Danny. You know, maybe there's a, a chance that I won't come back. Then, you know, you won't have to deal with the king in the north anymore. And she says to him, well, I've, you know, I've grown used to him. <laughs> yeah, that that scene w- was, the like you said, the clearest indication that she's into Oh, him. Yeah. yeah. That point, she's made it vocal. Like, mm-hmm. but I like you now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And like I said, I really think the way he responded to the dragon kicked it up a couple of notches. Oh, yeah. Her. Absolutely. You could tell just like the, the look on her face when she was looking down at him. Yeah. Like, there's my man. He's worthy. <laughs> Drogon says he's worthy. Right. But this is interesting, too, because John's headed up north. I feel like it's possible that she's going to freak out and ride north with her dragons just to make sure that John is safe. Hmm. And Jorah. So we could we could be met with with a surprise Stannis-style dragon ex machina right. next week. <laughs> when... Uh... Dracaris ex machina when uh, (laughs) when Jenny uh, saw that saw him leaving she was like that might be the last time they ever see each other yeah (laughs) which it could be with this show you never know that's what I'm worried about with Jorah I I was talking about Jorah and her oh yeah oh yeah yeah, okay yeah I mean like he looks back I'm like oh yeah yeah (laughs) I I am I'm worried that we might you doomed yourself with that look back we all know this it's likely (laughs) yeah Yeah. never look back uh, or you'll turn to salt Uh, they've already had so many reunions I think that's probably the last one (laughs) yeah he escaped grayscale just to do one last thing I'm I'm worried they're going to bring him back as a white oh yeah so somebody's going to be a white one, oh, yeah. one of these guys at least one yeah at least <laughs> one. oh yeah i can't wait it's gonna be so cool all right the tarleys so that's my number one uh randall tarley it, he 
it was funny when they pointed out, uh, Tyrion pointed out, well, you know, you switched over from the Tyrells to the Lannisters, so obviously your allegiances can change. And he was like, I don't like foreigners, though. <laughs> yeah, he he was not stoked about having a wildling at his dinner table. Like, there's no yeah. way he's going to go for the Dothraki. He's a nationalist, anti-immigration. So, <laughs> and But I love that Danny responded calmly to that. You wouldn't trade your honor for your life. I respect that. And then she's like, Dracarys. <laughs> <laughs> He's but, such a dick, too. But it was really interesting how he reached out and grabbed Dickon's arm right before they got roasted. One moment of, of semi-softness from yes. people like, you're the son I wanted. And not only that, but he said, uh, you know, when... Dickon spoke up. He's go like, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Just a stupid boy." And then when uh, uh, Tyrion said, "Come on, man, you should just uh, bend the knee so you can save your house because you're the last one of your house," and Randall Tarly nodded at him. So yeah. he 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 his ideals were important for his own life, but he would rather his son live and sacrifice his ideals for his son to live. So that was a soft moment that was made him very human and. I liked it. Yeah, for the one second, the one yeah. ounce of sympathy I will ever have for this character. I mean, if it was Sam, he would have just been like, burn him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, don't forget this, Tarly. Yeah, <laughs> what about this nice fat one over here? So, speaking of Sam, he's the sole surviving son of, of uh, House Tarly now, and... You know, the question Well, becomes, he was the sole surviving son of House Tarly, uh, but he renounced all names and titles when he joined the Watch. Well, like I was going to say, the soul, the oh. question <laughs> becomes, is he going to be the, the Lord of Horn Hill? Now, I think there's a good possibility for a few reasons. One is, I mentioned a few episodes ago, there was foreshadowing. Jamie said to Randall Tarly, when the war's done, Cersei will need a new Warden of the South. I can think of no one better than Randall Tarly. And then the shot immediately went to Sam. And I'm like, oh, are they trying to say Sam will be? And then Whoa. the fact that they've been focusing on Dickens so much as, as I'm like, why are they focusing on this character? Well, I think it's just to point out, look, this is the guy that would take over. Well, now he's dead. Um, yeah, as far probably. as the Night's Watch goes, uh, he's already breaking his Night's Watch vows by living in sin with, with Gilly, for one. And number two, it, the, there, will the Night's Watch even still be a thing once the White Walkers get beyond the wall and the wildlings are helping to fight them, proving their worth? You kind of wonder um, if that's going to have hold any sway anymore. So, wow. If, if there's any happy ending I'm predicting for the show, it's that Sam and Gilly are going to be the head of Horn Hill and she'll be pregnant with another baby and they'll be hap live happily ever after. That's what I think is going to happen with th those two. Nice. Well, obviously, <laughs> legally is whatever you make it to be after you've won the war. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's why it's called history, <laughs> his story. And and I liked that Sam said, um, I'm tired of reading about the achievements of better men when he decided to leave Right, you remember that? Yeah, because that was what uh, his father criticized him for last season, and uh, he, you know, uh, I, I think academia is great, but it, it it is sort of learning about the world rather than being a part of it. So I think there needs to be a balance. And right now, Sam realizes that the maesters aren't listening to him, and he needs to act in order to have an impact. So he's getting out of there. Yeah. And I think it was a common criticism when Sam left to be a maester as well. People are like, wait a minute, Sam's valuable. He knows stuff and he's good at, at this book stuff. 
it's going to take years to become a maester. It's taking him off the off the chessboard. Yeah. When he needs to be on the chessboard, man. So, so what I did he it, accomplish? I mean, he saved Jora. And right. he discovered that dragon glass is right. in Dragonstone. And maybe he planted a seed for the maesters to do something if they get more proof, because that one maester was sort of like, oh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, clarify. He and, right. and, yeah. and he stole a bunch of scrolls when he left. So right. he still got some, right. you know, he got some to shit do. done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're leaving with the knowledge that Lyanna Stark was married to Rhaegar Targaryen. Or, or right. Rhaegar was Could married to someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, she. I think. I think come. the details were in the book. I'm assuming, but she was just sort of summarizing it for yeah. Sam, so she didn't spe- specify all the names. Yeah, I think that's that's, gonna, that's what I guess. That's going to be important. Okay. One thing we did not talk about was the whole Littlefinger gambit with Ar with Arya. Right. Mm-hmm. So obviously he was leading her around by the nose, and this scroll it, for people who don't know or remember is uh from season one cersei forced sansa to write it to prove her loyalty when ned was arrested and it says uh rob i write to you with a heavy heart our good king robert is dead killed from the wounds he took in a boar hunt father has been charged with treason he conspired with robert's brothers against my beloved joffrey and tried to steal his throne the lannisters are treating me very well and provide me with every comfort i beg you come to king's landing swear fealty to king joffrey and prevent any strife between the great house houses of lannister and stark so he's trying to convince uh, Arya that that uh Sansa has loyalties to the Lannisters. And I feel like he's trying to make it look like they're like Sansa's trying to cover it up yeah, as well. Right. By and asking he's protecting if it was the her. only scroll. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, Oh, Lady Sansa will be grateful for your help in this matter and like made sure Arya heard it. Um Yeah. So I find it a little hard to believe that Arya wouldn't be smart enough to at least suspect that Littlefinger was up to something and also that that was written under duress because I looked it up, but as soon as Rob got it, they figured it out really quickly. That's not Sansa's voice. It was That's the, the Maester, right? Yeah, was it Maester yeah. Lewin. Sansa's wor- Sansa's right. Uh, Sansa's hand. Cersei's words. But here's the thing: Arya doesn't have that counsel. Okay. Yeah, and also Arya and Sansa, I, if I remember right. All of their relationship that we saw before they got separated, they were kind of at each other. They didn't like each other very much and they weren't nice to each other. Right? Yeah, right. It's interesting. Like everybody's yeah. like, they've been separated for so long. Everybody's expecting them to be happy to right. see each other when they get back. But it seems like time has just sort of like exaggerated the qualities that made them different and not right. go along in the first place, which is interesting. I mean, it's like any family. You go home for the holidays, it's nice for the first hour or so, and then you have a few drinks and you're just arguing like you used to. <laughs> <laughs> so Arya wanted to go back to Winterfell not because she heard Sansa was there, because she heard Jon Snow was there. Right. I mean, yeah, she went there because yeah. she thought Jon Snow would be there. I'm sure she was like, oh. Oh, cool. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought, you I know, I mean, they got older and a little more mature, and it was nice that they got along, but now their uh, worst tendencies but are, their are dynamic coming is, out. It comes right back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is yep. which is great. It's it's, it's feels realistic. real, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So So I feel like this is gonna have a tragic consequence. Oh, yeah. If yeah, I, I don't think it's Definitely. gonna go well. Yeah, I'm John's sorry. gonna have a mess to clean up. I, I, Sansa, you got some splain in the door. 
So, you know, I'm just curious, why doesn't John want to talk about being stabbed? I mean, like, they, they've brought it up twice, you know, she's approaching it, and they both bat it away. And I, I'm just like, that's, that's, gonna, that's gonna come back and bite you in the ass at some point. I think that he's avoiding it because it's already quite a leap of faith for the people to believe in the concept of the Night King and the army of the dead. If then he's like, oh, I came back from the dead too. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, and I can fly. Yeah, exactly. uh, You're like, okay, strap him up, put him in the fucking solitary. Well, because I was thinking like Davos was like, oh, he took a knife in the heart for the people. And I was like, well, did he take a knife in the heart for the people or because of a certain (laughs) subset of the people, which would show that he's not quite... You know, he's getting in the North now, but, you know, he didn't have quite the support of everybody <laughs> at, some, at one point. I think it's it's what Duncan said and uh, about, you know, not wanting to strain credibility. But also, he, he it, it sort of almost makes him into a Christ figure and he's humble right. and he's just not wanting. Yeah, to, he's not. He doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not all about that. But also when he's when he he got stabbed in the heart, he was taking that knife in the heart for the people because he was he was putting in everything in perspective and fighting for the realms of men which he decided included wildlings which who are men so he brought them to safety through the wall and then a subset group of tarly-esque nationalists essentially stabbed him right and then he killed them all and so now he really is the people because he got rid of the subset (laughs) totally so just let the people you want to live survive (laughs) I like that. Uh, I'm getting into some notes. I like that it came out who killed Joffrey, and Cersei knows that now. For some reason, I just oh, like when yeah. people learn things. And you can tell the second that she realizes it's true too, because at first she's like the old fucking bag. She was just you know trying yeah. to fuck with you, Jamie. Was it before or after you fed her the poison, dude? And he's like, dude, like she had no reason to lie about it. Think about it. If you were her, who would you want yeah, your granddaughter you want to Joffrey? marry? Joffrey <laughs> okay. or Tommen? And then she thinks about it, and when it hits her. It was really good acting. She sits down, and like, yeah. like, you could tell she's she's. And then like, oh, her shit. thoughts went like, straight to you should have tortured. Elena. Yep, immediately like she should have died screaming. And she looked like a Romulan with that outfit and the haircut. It was almost ridiculous. They used to wear those like patched, the the with kind the of military V neck, yeah, and the bowl cut. And she's just <laughs> missing the pointy ears. And it's hilarious. Do you really think that she's pregnant? Ah, uh, good question. I mean, here's the interesting thing. If she's not pregnant, let's think about this psychologically. Jamie has fathered three children, but he did not have the opportunity to act as father to any of them. Finally, after spending his whole life in love with his sister, it's out in the open. She's the queen. They can be open with it like the Targaryens were. He has an opportunity to be an active father. He's he's not in the King's Guard anymore, right? He, he can do it legit and be a family man and create a legacy. So if she's lying to him about it, I think that would be enough to break him. Because it's not something that he wants to joke yeah. about, I imagine. Like, it's a, it's serious to him. Yeah. So if, if that's if that's a lie, I think he, it would be To manipulate him into um, to manipulate what him. she wants, then he might flip out on her. He would flip. Yeah. yeah basically. Um, another thing about her, she said, so we fight and die or we submit and die. I know my choice. And I thought, you got a good point there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and she said, as a soldier, you should know your choice too. Yeah. You know, like. 
And it made me think of this, the prophecy that we saw a couple seasons ago with Maggie, the, the wood witch. Uh, she said Cersei wouldn't marry a prince, but she'd marry the king. That ended up being Barath- Robert Brathian, that she would be queen, but in time... Oh, she good would, call. Or wait, one another one was asked if she and the king have? would have children. Oh, the king will have 20 children, but you'll only have three. Well, that's all his bastards. And that gold would be their crowns and gold their burial shrouds. Well, now they're all oh. dead. But here we go. There's another problem with that. Um, in season one, she had mentioned to Catelyn Stark that they had an infant, a, a newborn baby with black hair that had died young. Right. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do remember so that. So that, that falsifies the prophecy. Oh, wait. She already had another child? She and Robert apparently had a baby together with beautiful black, thick black hair which fit the gene, like the genealogy of the Baratheon family, but he died. He was, he was uh, taken by fever, I think, huh. very, very, very early, and it sort of damaged her and okay. damaged their relationship even further. It was very quick passing. And it's justified because she does talk to Robert in one scene, and she talks about their baby, and yeah. he, he talks about it with her. So okay. it's not like she made it up for Cat- Catelyn. So yeah, that was a great scene too. That calls into question this other part that I thought might be significant, but now who knows? But she said, you know, you will be queen, but in time you'll be cast down by another younger and more beautiful queen, which seems to say that Daenerys will cast her down. And also, I just wanted to mention there's other prophecies, or at least one more that she says in the book, but I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. I'd rather save it for the Still Smug book podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Episode because it might I agree. be a little spoilery. Yeah, it may be something they're leaving out <laughs> to then throw in in the show to be a surprise because it could be too telegraphed if they added this prophecy yeah. on the TV show. So yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> hey, Jason, you can cut this out, but you know, I always I went through this entire series thinking that Cersei had killed her first child, um, but when I try to do a search on it, no one mentions it. So did I just? Um, hallucinate that <laughs> i don't it's interesting that. i wonder the same thing um my last note i just thought it was really funny when uh Tormund said to john how many queens are there now two and you need to convince the one with the dragons or the one who fucks her brother, <laughs> fucks her brother. both <laughs> and then how many men did you bring Nod- john nods at these five other guys the big woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah torment cannot die before um defiling (laughs) brian and then last uh hopefully she won't consider it a defilement yeah Uh, yeah yeah. that's that's a crude one last uh davos says i'll be staying here i'm a liability out there he goes you are (laughs) (laughs) okay cool let's move on let's take a little break there's more to come stay with us I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire All right, we're back. It's time to talk about the what's become the official sponsor of the Game of Microphones podcast this season, and that is Fracture. Fracture is your photos printed on glass in beautiful, vivid color. And 
I try to come at this at a new angle each time. And this time I want to talk about what I think is great about the company. That's Focus. Because they only have this one product that it allows them to really do it right. They have such pride in it and they have a lot of attention to detail, even the packaging Also, they have a lot of attention on customer satisfaction. They really, really want you to be happy with with what you get. And there was one time where I cropped mine wrong. I think I told you guys this before and I told them and they sent me a new one cropped correctly. So they're they're really responsible. They are responsive. Even if it's your fault, they fixed it. I know. And I don't I don't know if I would want to guarantee that they will do that every time. But I do know that if there's something wrong with it, they'll definitely fix it for you. Yeah. And they call that their happiness guarantee. And they also build a full experience around the products. If you go to their website, they have a blog with like photography tips and they have a bunch of art. So you can buy a fracture, not with your own photo, but with all these classic or modern art pieces. You can pick one that you think would look good in your decor. They have contests all the time and you can win like $200 worth of fractures by sending in your awesome photos. Um, They're all handmade right here in the U.S. in Gainesville, Florida, and they're really good for gifts or for those particularly great photos that you've taken. And here's one that we took. I asked Jenny which one I should do next, and you said this one. What is it? It is our older son, who is five at the time, holding for the first time his his baby brother, who is probably half his weight. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's a little bit of instability, uh, but it's very adorable and it's just so cute. Yeah, because Nico's smiling and and, uh, And Bodhi has a look of fear. (laughs) (laughs) So we love that. I was thinking if I was in the world of Game of Thrones, I'd want like a dragon and... The Night King up on the wall. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, maybe Oathkeeper. Or, 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 or a picture of you and your friend standing in front of the Night King and the dragon, and you've got your hands in Vs, and you've got a big smile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was my the, vacation the north of the wall. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but uh, if you want to get one for yourself, you can go to FractureMe.com slash podcast and choose Game of Microphones. And if you're if this is the first time you've got one, if you haven't got one yet, you'll get ten percent off your order. So that's fractureme.com slash podcast. Thank you as ever, Fracture. Oh, and I have one uh, that we had five years ago when Nico was the same age as his baby brother that I have hanging up in my office and everybody comments on it every time I come in. Oh yeah, that's awesome. So. Yeah, these things get comments for sure. All right, now it's time for the news. First in the news, we have an update to the HBO hacking story. As you guys remember, HBO was hacked recently, a couple weeks ago, and hackers stole 1.5 terabytes of data, including corporate emails from the executive level with details of scripts and all kinds of stuff. They released a script last week for this episode before the episode aired, and now it's come out that the hackers have released an email with HBO offering to pay them $250,000 in bitcoins for um, basically to, as a ransom. Um, apparently they had demanded a lot more than that. They had wanted six months worth of their salaries claiming they make 12 to $15 million from stealing intellectual property and blackmailing companies. Jeez. Yeah, just yeah, just to you know, share your illegal business plan with everybody. It's totally cool. <laughs> and uh, 
people connected with HBO are saying that the quarter million dollar payout is basically a stalling tactic and that they're not planning on paying mm-hmm. it out at all, which also is not smart to tell people because um, you want them to buy it, that you're at least considering paying them. But yeah, that's a pretty interesting update to that story. I think 250k and, is a good price. I mean, like, I, I if, if they paid it, I'd be like, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, aren't there people, um, the, the ransomware and people are paying the ransomware and sometimes you just got to look at like, okay, this hospital has to keep working, you know, yeah. versus right. 9k. <laughs> there's, there's also a speculation that they actually don't have as much as they say they have because so far only one actual episode had been leaked it's out leaked. and it came out that that was actually from something different, not from... Right, right, yeah. right, right. So right. That's, uh, that was my next story. I mean, I'm not saying they should pay it because I (laughs) think there's part of me that's just like, dude, if you don't pay it, I'm, you know, I'm fine with that too. But if they actually like followed up um, and didn't release any of that stuff, 250K does seem kind of like a bargain these days. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying (laughs) they might not actually have have stuff. 250K for a few minutes of typing on a keyboard. Yeah, it works. (laughs) Next in the news, we have a further update. (laughs) Yeah, totally. We have four being arrested for leaking Game of Thrones episode, Entertainment Weekly reports. Apparently, four people in India have been arrested for leaking a Game of Thrones episode, according to a report by the international news agency France Press. Um, The arrests are in response for the leaking of the hit show's fourth episode, The Spoils of War, which leaked from Star India, one of HBO's international distributors, a few days before it aired last week. At first, people thought that it had leaked in relation to the hack, but apparently there was a watermark on the video that they traced back to a copy that had been given to this Indian company. And the uh, the company has made, basically informed the police of four people involved within their organization and arrests have been made. So that's, that's interesting. Okay, they're not messing around. Yeah, definitely not messing around. You fuck with HBO, like you're going, you're you're, you're getting locked up or something. Let's see. Next, we have an interview with Kit Harrington, who's talking about setting the template for season eight and what it's been like growing up with Jon Snow. Imagine forming. Oh, wait, this is from Watchers on the Wall. So you guys know WatchersOnTheWall.com, which is a cool website. They do recaps, reviews, all kinds of news about Game of Thrones. Imagine forming an instant bond with someone, an intimate one that sees you through nearly a decade of your life and provides you with incredible experiences and memories. That's how Kit Harington described his relationship to his Game of Thrones character, Jon Snow. I've played him all through my 20s and his 20s too, really, and we've grown up together, Harrington said in an interview. (laughs) It sounds like a split personality type thing. Uh, <laughs> to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It will be hard to let him go. I've loved playing him and being part of the series. Although he couldn't elaborate much, Harrington also touched on how season seven is a different animal altogether compared to the series thus far. Seven episodes instead of ten, he said, and each of those episodes is bigger and bolder than before. The last episode is incredible, really, and the length will be longer as well. It will set the template for next year. Harrington also talked about the influence Thrones had on his acting career and how lucky he feels to have landed the role. Who knows what could have happened, but it's rare to find something like this that's so popular and widely watched, he said, having given him the, quote, notoriety to do other interesting projects. And it's true, this season has been very different than past seasons. The pace has just been off the rails. He won the lottery, too, with getting on a good TV show. Oh, God, kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Especially for, a, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad actor. I think he's a great actor, but 
his character requires just one facial expression, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just mope. Stand around and mope, Kit. <laughs> it's, it is it is uh, challenging to make an honorable man exciting. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. A, a mopey bastard exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, next, we have an article from Vanity Fair by Joanna Robinson, who is also co-host of Cast of Kings podcast. And she's always really good at coming up with these connections and putting things together. And she always releases articles every week. So if you haven't looked into her work um, with Vanity Fair, I recommend it. I find her a little too critical of the show personally, so I don't necessarily always listen to the podcast, but she's really good with these connections. So she has an article, this tiny detail could be the real reason Gendry's back. And it's kind of a long article, but I'll sum it up. She's suggesting that the need for smithing Valyrian steel is ever present, especially present now with the threat of the walkers coming and the introduction of a, a smith at this point and other details that that applied that um, that show that the smithy that he worked for previously had he was the guy apparently that that reworked the steel when ice got melted down and turned into Oathbreaker and uh, Widow's Whale. So this guy apparently had knowledge of how to rework Valyrian steel at the least. So she's proposing that Gendry may in fact end up smithing Valyrian steel for the the war to come. Mm-hmm which would be pretty badass. Yeah. And there's another potential major influence that he could have, which goes back to how I mentioned that his hammer has the the stag antlers on it. If he's legitimized, there could have been foreshadowing in season one and two for his upcoming role and how he will fit into the plot. If you remember when he was headed north after his, his, uh, his smith that he was apprenticing for basically saved his life by... Shipping him off with the to the to with Yorin to go up to the Night's Watch so that the Gold Cloaks wouldn't get him and murder him. And he became friends with Arya at that point, and he was the one guy in the crew besides Jock and Hagar who knew who wasn't dumb enough to think that she was a girl or think that she was a boy, basically. So he knew that she was a girl. He played along. They were friends. They joked around. He, when he found out that she was Lady Stark, you know, he was all embarrassed. I was pissing in front of you and whatnot. I guess I'm going to have to call you Lady Stark now. He was joking around with her. She, like, shit, tells him to shut up, pushes him over. And they had kind of a fun relationship, laughing around, joking around. They're, they're friends, you know, it was cool. Um, but if you go all the way back to season one in the pilot episode, when Ned and and King Robert are down in the in the basement, in the, in the crypt, in front of Lyanna's statue and you know Robert is lamenting about how his his love was stolen from him and that it's not too late that Robert has a son and Ned has a daughter and they can join their houses and at the time that obviously had been referring to Joffrey and Sansa but now it could be referring to Gendry and Arya if if John legitimizes Gendry and basically re- revives the Baratheon household, mm-hmm. they have a, a, f- a further opportunity to join their houses together with Gendry and Arya, right. which could ease tensions with the whole who gets to be king thing as well, especially considering that Gendry could try to claim that he has a claim to the Iron Throne mm-hmm. being a bastard son of Robert. He's going to have to so, deal with her... Uh, newfound darkness though if he does that <laughs> be whispering crap into his ear all the time 
Well, he makes weapons, so maybe he's totally down. <laughs> yeah, he might love that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was kind of hoping with the uh, destruction of of the uh, Tyrells and the near destructions of the, the Tarleys. I mean, you know, I mean, you said it yourself, Duncan. We have to get rid of the aristocracy. It's time to move on to, to uh, what was it? Well, what were you... Constitutional Republic. A constitutional republic. And so focusing on the legitimacy of, of a bastard is just continuing on with this this obsession with I royal agree. houses. I mean, let the Baratheons die off. Or, or, or maybe <laughs> it's just time for some new 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 houses to start new stories. Like, I don't know, what's Bronze's last name again? He's pretty obsessed with <laughs> Of the <house>. Blackwater. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson. The, the flea bottom <laughs> Bron <know>, Johnson. <laughs> So, I don't know. I'm I for mean, it. I'm for I, it. I do know it makes for good storytelling and good plotting and all that stuff. But there's a part of me that's just like when, when one of the royal houses Over dies it. out, I'm just like, ha ha, one down. Yeah, just a vacuum to be filled by the small folk who can rise higher. I agree. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Let's 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 get some voting going on here. And let's see. Yeah, that, that pretty much covers it for the news today. Awesome. Okay, we have a new piece of news. Jenny needs to go feed our baby. So we're going to do the listener response, just me and you, Duncan, while Jenny takes it for more important purposes. But come back for the end. Okay. Okay. (laughs) See you, Jenny. All right. Any Have any ravens come by recently? Oh, here they come. Get out of here, Melissa. (laughs) You're not on this one. Okay, tons and tons of responses this week. And thank you to everyone who wrote in and everything. If yours doesn't get read, just please try again later. We can't read them all. Um, But first one is from Brianna Cummings, who says, I haven't had an asthma attack in a while. This episode (laughs) cured that. (laughs) I hit the pause button way too often to process and catch my breath. My daughters, ages 17 and 20, who are watching with me, didn't find that amusing. Stop it, Mom. We don't care if you can't process all this fast enough, Mom. (laughs) Brianna, I think you've confused what curing is here. Causing asthma attacks is not curing anything. (laughs) (laughs) She's been cured of not having asthma. (laughs) Rima Joe says, been calling it for a while, and I'm totally taking great pleasure in being right. Rhaegar and Lyanna were married when Jon was born. Not only is he Targaryen, but he's legit. And what a moment he had with Drogon. Even if Jon doesn't know yet that the dragons do, (laughs) they can sense it. And the dragons cannot die yet, as some keep stating, yes... I know we may lose one or all, and it will devastate me when it happens, but we have to have three dragon riders first. There are so many things that can be said about this episode, and many will say them better than I. I do want to say that these last few eps, with all the reunions and throwbacks to previous seasons, and this one included, to see who has survived so far, all come together in some form is absolutely thrilling. To see so many key players, favorite slash principal characters and scenes together makes me giddy. And I don't, and I don't ever say that Game of Thrones makes me giddy. I guess that's how I know they, George R. R. Martin and the Double Ds, or Germ and the Double Ds, will pull the rug from under me and kill the dragons and everyone else on the show that matters. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so that's so morbid to think that the dragons will die. I, I, but it's also so Germ. Gosh, Rima Joe. 
That's dark. Okay. Uh, Gemma Hall says, so this season the writers are basically screaming at us. John is a Targaryen. We know this. Everybody knows this. Please, for the love of the Lord of Light, someone tell Jon Snow. <laughs> I kind of I agree. like that. For the love of the Lord of Light. <laughs> yeah, I'd like, I'd like, I hope that gets out this season. I hope he finds out. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. I mean, last season we found out he's a Targaryen. I think this season he finds out he's a Targaryen. Yeah. It only makes sense. Final yeah. episode. And, and, and I want to see uh, Danny's reaction to that. Will she be like, oh, cool, or oh, shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, God. He just stepped in front of me in the line of succession. <laughs> now I have to kill him. <laughs> now I have to marry him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Damien Vargas says the main thing I wanted to comment on is Amelia Clark's incredible acting she's saying her lines to John all the while emoting her true feelings developing for him in her eyes and subtle facials ironically this all started with an incestuous affair that was seen as ugly and may end with one everyone wants <laughs> great great comment That's Damien hilarious. Uh, Lara Willie Swink says, I really, really, really hope Tyrion and Varys can give Danny some good counsel. I don't want her to be her father's daughter. On Danny's lighter side, her reunion with Jorah was one of the most touching of the season so far. Yeah, we didn't really talk about that, but that was pretty oh, nice. Oh, it was. She went right in for the hug, no mm-hmm. hesitation. And yeah, it was beautiful. I'm really glad that Daenerys has forgiven his, transa- yeah, he's his past transgressions. more than proven his loyalty. Yeah, she knows now that his devotion is pure, and uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's nice. I like I like their relationship. Nick Quinto says, "Damn, their knees bent so fast. I think I heard a crack." LOL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. How some of them knelt right away, and then others when the dragon roared, just like, dove oh, okay. to the ground. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just the sight of the dragon wasn't enough. Yeah, it had to roar. Right. <laughs> Sarah Oaks says, it's wonderful how fast each episode is moving now. After this episode, I have no doubt that Danny is totally falling for John. I have no idea how they plan to grab a white for uh, far beyond the wall, but I love that all these characters we've met are now together. Can't wait to see how it all plays out. P.S. John is the true king of the seven kingdoms. Think about that, man. Born a king, raised a bastard, and then raised up to kingship based on his own merits. That is a tragic and beautiful story right there. Yeah. Something really special. I bet you there's at least some people, if not a whole lot, who are going, come on, guys, uh, Daenerys is the one. And I don't blame you. I don't, I don't think it's an easy choice, you know, between the two of them. Right. Just to put that out there. But I would, if uh, I had to vote, I think by, at this point I might vote for John. But I'm not sure. I mean, she might be more capable, actually. So who knows? I'd vote for the two of them together. I think they. Yeah, me too. They the blend of the two is is you know the song of ice and fire. I think that either one wouldn't have the full picture. Uh, so yeah, that's this it's it's exciting. And uh, she's back. I'm back. All right. So we're at Michael Darwin, right under Sarah Oaks. Michael Darwin. That is such an awesome name. I've always wanted to name our child Darwin. She wanted to name our kids Darwin and Random. Random. (laughs) That would be freaking cool. Okay, and then a random name. Whoa, I liked it, but then people said I think I know somebody named Random or heard a story about some. Ah, never mind. Go ahead. Okay, and then I decided maybe Darwin and Wolf after the islands. Oh, I never said Wolf. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, Michael Darwin, who has a great last name, says. 
What if they don't bring back a White Walker? What if they bring back Benjamin Stark? Ooh. They'd be like, that guy looks like he's got uh, some skin problems. <laughs> yeah, we've got another comment that elaborates a little bit on that coming up too. Joe Fletcher says, what if, what if the White Walker they bring back is one of them? What if the Lord of Light is keeping Beric alive so he can die as a white? Uh, emoji. Yeah, man. I yeah, yeah. I bet you the Walker, the white. I mean, the white that they bring back is going to be one of those guys mm-hmm. in that group of seven. If it's one of them, I think it's going to be Jorah, man. Yeah, and oh. that will convince Danny beyond a doubt because she knows Jorah so well. She'll know he's not faking it. <laughs> this is all just baseless speculation, by the way. So if Absolutely. it actually does yeah. happen, don't kill us. Mm. Right. Cri- definitely don't kill me. <laughs> right. And definitely not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or my wife. Uh, Chris says if you gave me this list Jon Snow, Davos, Tormund, Jorah Mormont, Beric Dondarrion, Thor Samir, the Hound, and Gendry, I would have guessed, quote, a group of characters destined never to be in the same place at the same time. Not a bunch of Egypts going out beyond the wall together to capture a live dead man <laughs> to bring to the Queens. Great comment. Mm-hmm. That's a good guess. A group of people never to be in the same place. Right. <laughs> and I like the concept of a live dead man as well. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's a catch great. a live one. <laughs> I mean a dead one. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Howe says, that was a formidable team. I'm excited to see what happens next. Not sure about all of them coming back alive, though. I hope they all have at least a shard of dragon glass or valerian steel on them. Yeah, you'd think they would have taken some dragon glass up there, right? You would yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, but we'll how find do you say major Eric's mistake last name? if not. Feeton. There, there's Feetin. there's seven there's seven warriors, not, you know, seven uh, project managers. Brain-X. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Feeton, aka Mr. Blog, says the magnificent fucking seven. <laughs> I like that because you can tell that means he really liked that. Yeah, really totally. to say it. Ad yeah. Stout says, "Gendry, I thought you might still be Rowan." Best line of the night. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Ned Rogers says, "Damn it, Gendry, why'd you have to come back? A hot and buff man. Now my wife won't even look at me." <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on the camera microphones page. I thought it was great. James Guy Lunas says, "Just like many characters on the show, I had started to discount Littlefinger." Started to think that with so many strong, independent people gathered together now, Littlefinger's power had diminished. Stupid me! Stupid! I feel almost as dumb as Sam was in this episode. <laughs> We've both been spending too much time with John because we know nothing. And Heather Hildebrand says, Arya is smart. I'm certain she knew Littlefinger was watching her, watching him. I think Littlefinger just made a big mistake and Arya's going to make him pay. I don't think so. Have you hung out with two sisters who hate each other? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There were a few other listeners, to be fair, Heather, who thought the same thing. And uh, we'll see. Maybe you're right. But I really think that he's getting in there and causing some trouble. I'm scared. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Nicole Schmeling says, I loved Arya and Sansa's interactions, mostly because they confirmed that Arya is not infallible. I think her distrust in Sansa is kind of a character flaw. Full disclosure, Sansa is my favorite character and has been since season one. So it's a little biased opinion. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, yeah, I agree Sansa was probably having those thoughts Arya was saying, but as long as she isn't acting on them, I don't think it's really a problem. I it's mean, the wolf you feed. Yeah, right. I agree. I mean, she only took their parents' rooms when John told her to. Arya is great and another favorite of mine, but she still has room to grow. And I fully believe this is going to come back to bite Littlefinger in the ass. In the end, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully. I think so too. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. And good point. I totally had forgotten how uh, she had said to John, well, I guess I'll get, um, you know, mom and dad's chambers ready for you. And he said, no, no, you take them. You're the lady of Winterfell. I'm the bastard, right? So He's the character I feel like, along with Cersei, really needs to get what's coming to him. Who, Littlefinger? Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it's going to be real fun when it happens. I love Littlefinger, too. So Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> He's just so much fun He's to watch. He's a great character. Like, so just come back. So Tom Moore says, Gilly reading about Rhaegar and Lyanna's marriage. Oh my fucking God. That piece of news is such a huge game changer. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Mega. Absolutely. Well, to all these people obsessed with legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. We have an email or a couple emails. First one is from Travis Sigler. He says, did anyone else just want to smack Sam upside the head to get him to shut up? <laughs> Gilly just confirmed that our king in the north is the true legitimate king of Westeros, though he probably doesn't want it. Him going north just proved to Danny what kind of a person he is. Speaking of proving himself, the dragon touch. <laughs> I was personally hoping it would be Rhaegal, but Drogon works too. Also, my Thrones Night crew were talking last night about next week's episode, and I brought up that what if they had just found Uncle Benjen and brought him back and was like, you know, John was like, okay, shh, shh, now pretend to be more dead than you are. She'll buy it. She will. <laughs> <laughs> the stag and the wolf. Yes. It's like the old times of the rebellion, which is awesome. The dire wolf and the stag back together. Anyways, I'm damn excited for next week's super group. Here's a meme below that can be read, just read off to listeners. <laughs> Certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Cheers. P.S. My season seven John cosplay is near complete. That would be cool to see. Yeah, he's got looking forward to it, brother. Some good Jon Snow cosplay going on. <clears throat> yeah, and he's got a legit wolf to go with it. Grey Wind, the wolf dog. Oh, he has a wolf Looking dog? Up on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, oh. He's got a Facebook page too. Check it out. Okay. I what go. is it? It's Grey Wind, the wolf dog. Okay, cool. Uh, from K. Deer, someone on Reddit mentioned Lisa flying out the moon door, and it made me remember Robin Aaron's obsession with wanting to see bad men fly via the moon door. Then I remembered the three-eyed raven telling Bran that he won't walk again, but he will fly. <laughs> <laughs> Before this point, I focused on literal flying via warging into a raven or a dragon, as some believe, but hadn't thought about how falling through the moon door is described as flying by Robin. Littlefinger, <laughs> Littlefinger looked very uncomfortable when Bran said, chaos is the latter. Connecting that with the fact that Robin and the Vale are basically being controlled by Littlefinger along with the prophecy of Bran flying and suddenly my stomach is in knots. Please tell me I'm overanalyzing this and that Bran flying has nothing to do with him being pushed to a presumed death a second time. 
It would seem to be an absurd death for a very important character, but this is Game of Thrones, so... I think you're overanalyzing it. I think that he's too fucking powerful and he needs to go. No, <laughs> that little twerp. <laughs> that little twerp, little bastard. I love this email because it's like, oh shit, but I hope you're wrong because I don't. I, yeah, I love too. Bran. Uh, Bran's one of my favorite characters, even with him becoming recently kind of creepy. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's a really interesting, um, really interesting, just whatever the hell is going yeah. on with him. It's like cosmic awareness. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and we have one call. This is actually about last week's episode, and it's Anwen from New Zealand. From New Zealand. Hey, guys, this is Anwen from New Zealand. Oh, my God, what an amazing episode. I just loved it. I loved every moment of Arya's homecoming and when she and Sansa looked like they were going to be all cold to each other and then they hugged. I cried, and it was so cool. just loved it. Everything else about the episode was awesome too. The fight at the end, the battle, it was incredible. We were jumping on the couch and screaming and shouting when the dragons showed up. It was so great. Um, just one other thing. Am I the only one who thinks that Peter Baelish looks like the love child of Edward Norton and Cameron from <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Anyway, that's it. See ya. Not Bye. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, that's it. That's our show, episode 37. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, as usual. I wanted to mention last week we had uh, some audio problems. There was an echo that started partway through the episode and came in and out, and I went and fixed it. So if you stopped listening last week uh, to our main episode last week, then if you go back and delete it and re-download and you wanted to listen, then you'll, you'll get the fixed file, just so you know. In the meantime, nice. if you want to give us a call, you can reach us at 813-563-3739. That's 813-JOFFREY. If you'd like to write in, you can email us at game at podcastica.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash G-O-M podcast. And be sure to check out our other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Next week, it's going to be Duncan, Return of Mr. Blog, and Lucy from Scotland talking about zombie hunting without me i don't know looking at the trailer it doesn't seem like there's hunting zombies as much as the zombies are hunting them hey that's just don't as tell good me, don't tell me. i want to see that that's going to be a good uh, crew though last time lucy was on with me and melissa so this time she'll be on with you and yeah Eric. i missed it that's going to be really cool oh it's going to be a wild combination all right that's our show thanks for listening and we offer you a choice. You can check out our Facebook page, send us an email, or do whatever else you like to become a part of the fun with this podcast. Or refuse and die. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.